Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Are we there yet? I'm Katie Gossett. And when babies enter the world, they come out wailing. And if you think that's hard, wait till you're on the receiving end of your first tantrum. It's just sort of like a valve that blows. (laughs) (laughs) She will just come up and be hitting and kicking and screaming. And if you've ever witnessed a meltdown that felt more like an international incident, then you'll sympathise with what happened in this 2007 news item from RNZ's Checkpoint Current Affairs show. The tantrum of an eight-year-old girl sparked a major police call-out in Tauranga this morning after a man reported he'd seen her being forced into a car and thought she was being abducted. After locating the vehicle, the police discovered its owner had just been arguing with his daughter about going to school. When I first heard this story, I have to say... I kind of felt like laughing because I've seen my own children melt down and I can easily understand how a tantrum would look so serious to a bystander that they might feel like calling the police. And good on them, because where our children are concerned, it's always better to be safe than sorry. But I have to say, I also really feel for the father in this case, because who hasn't been there with a tantrum? And they usually leave you feeling, or leave me feeling at least, like something's gone terribly wrong. But here's our clinical psychologist, Catherine Gallagher, who has a different take on this. Somehow we've got the message that tantrums are bad and that if our kids have one, we're not parenting well enough or we've got something wrong. Well, I'm sorry, folks, evolution and development actually decided long ago that frustration and the resulting tantrum is a necessary part of learning. Tantrums are probably most associated with the period known as the terrible twos, or as Catherine Gallagher likes to call them, the completely necessary twos. This is an age where children are developing their own sense of self, as distinct from their parents. We start to hear that I want, or me do it. And because their actual skills aren't often as developed as they need to be, then you can see how frustration can result. So on the one hand, it's kind of an age of burgeoning independence, And yet at the same time, young children still don't really get that they're separate from us. If I'm wanting to have a jelly bean, then mum, you must know that I'm wanting a jelly bean and I'm wanting the orange one. So how did you not possibly know that I wanted the orange one? Because I was thinking that. Because they haven't quite developed theory of mind. And theory of mind is when we hold that belief or that knowledge that you and I can think different things. And voila, a tantrum ensues. It will be that I cut the toast into triangles and instead of squares, you know, (laughs) or I put honey on when they asked for honey but they wanted marmite. Then there's the type of tantrum where they do know what they want, they can express it, they just know they're not going to get it. Tantrums to do with social media devices are the biggest things in our house. And tempting, though it is, to try and avoid that tantrum, sometimes it just has to be dealt with. There are times when I think, it's actually okay for you to get cross and grumpy and whatever if I take this off you. Because I am your parent, and part of parenting is that I'm going to upset you occasionally. Other times, they might start having a tantrum about one thing and kind of start to enjoy the attention. The feelings going on with tantrums are in most cases really real, but like all of us, when we find a behaviour that gets a need met, why would we stop using it? 
The message to parents here is to try and drop the drama and pay less attention to the tantrum. And also, wherever possible, try and not buy that chocolate bar to keep your child quiet. Although we all know we've done it, so don't beat yourself up too much if that card gets played every once in a while. So no bribes, in other words. Although, yeah, I've pretty much done that one myself as well. But probably a better plan is to try and get to the bottom of what's causing these tantrums. Frustration, not getting your own way, which usually triggers most people. (laughs) Overstimulated, I think, is a really big one. Other times it's they are really tired. Kids are going to feel all these things, but Catherine Gallagher reckons they need to identify them and learn to manage them for themselves, rather than us swooping in and just taking care of it. That's where we trip ourselves up as parents. We think, if I do a good job as a parent, I'm ironing out all the bumps so my child's not going to get frustrated and not have a tantrum. Whereas in actual fact, bumps in the road are essential. Well, that's interesting because as a parent, it often feels like a bit of a failure. Like if it's spiralled up to the point where there's a massive shouting match going on and they're having a tantrum that we've mucked up. Well, I think if you're having tantrums all the time and a shouting match suggests that you're shouting too... So, so there are some things that we can tweak around with because this isn't about saying, okay, she's having a tantrum, go for gold and, and this is how it's going to stay forever. But it's about saying actually because a tantrum is happening, it is not a failure. It's actually we need to do something about that which makes tantrums less necessary, less helpful for the child in the future. But this is a process. And in fact, they probably have to happen a few times for us all to know how to be with them and get through them. Okay, so let's take a tantrum and work out how we'd handle that. So when kids start to wind up, it's about noticing and helping them label the emotion that is going on. So you might say to a child, hey, it looks to me like you're feeling pretty angry right now. Um, A kid might go, no, I'm not. But there's something in his brain that's going to go, okay, there's a word to describe what I'm feeling. And as a parent, you're not sitting there going, well, are you angry? You know, these are about planting little seeds and letting them kind of settle. Words like, gosh, this looks a bit tough, or "Mm, you're feeling pretty unsettled right now. More general kind of words like that can sometimes work better than angry, sad, worried, because kids might not necessarily know the specifics yet. And if they are prepared to share an emotion with us, then we need to listen and not just brush it off. What the child's communicating at that time is, this is what I'm feeling. And if someone jumps over that and starts problem solving or negates what we're actually feeling, how thoroughly disheartening does that feel and it can make us feel even more frustrated. So even something like, I can really see this is tough right now. That's validating. It's going, I'm seeing you, I'm witnessing what's going on for you. And together we'll work through this. But just in case you're thinking you're the first person to ever have to deal with this kind of thing, here is an excerpt from a panel discussion back in 1976. Anger. What do you do when this happens? Well, I had an instance of this recently with our 21-month-old. He was just blind with rage. He just ran straight into the kitchen cupboard and put his tooth through his lip, which made him even wilder. Yes. (laughs) Now, what do you do in these circumstances? The only thing that I can do with this particular child is to put him in his room and put him to bed where he quietens down in a very quiet environment. Of course, when kids are young, we do a lot of cuddling and soothing. But when should we start to change that approach? Catherine Gallagher thinks by about the age of six. You know the things that are helpful to calm yourself down, hey? So we've got a choice right now. You can stay here and keep this going with me, which might end up in your room for time out if you keep this going. Or you can go and do some of those things that you know calm you down. And if you need my help with that, I'm really happy to be there for you. 
So we're starting to put choices and, and, and create some space between our involvement in their emotional world. We're not doing it for them. Which makes sense, but they are still our child. So we're worrying about how they're going to cope. So remember, in the middle of a tantrum, they're in the downstairs or more primitive part of their brains, and so reasoning and expecting wise choices can be asking for trouble. Keep it simple, expect things to get worse, well worse often, before they get better. Imagine what it's going to be like when your child says, I hate you, or you're a crap parent, because that will come out. And it still hurts, but if we've kind of prepared ourselves for it, when it does come, we're not completely flawed by it, and we can hold our line. So it's about keeping our nerve. If in the middle of a tantrum we start worrying about their emotional state and start to make it up to them and start to give them lots of cuddles and attention, the message we're kind of giving them is keep on doing that. We kind of need to learn to start to separate that if you're in the middle of a tantrum because you've just done something that's not okay and I've told you off, you know, we're not putting up with this because that's not a behaviour you want them to keep using. But we're also doing it in a compassionate way. These are the choices ahead of you. Turn around and walk away. And once you've made your escape, preferably with a magazine and a cup of coffee, then it's up to them to work it out. It's letting them sit with, this is the feeling I've got, what am I going to do about it? Because mum's exited stage left and I've got this feeling and if I keep chasing after mum and ranting at her, then I'm going to find myself in my room. And again, of course, this involves some thinking. So sometimes it is about them having some really simple strategies to just calm the farm and get the thinking back into the the smarter parts of the brain. But that all takes time. And with some kids, it might help to give them a bit of a shock to get them on track. I actually videoed him having a tantrum and I showed him later and he just was like, Mum, that's just ridiculous. Look at Harold. And I'm like, I know, I know. That was really crazy. And of course, if we're expecting all this nice, calm, problem-solving behaviour from our children, we might need to take a good look at ourselves and make sure we're doing that too. If we start to get a bit stressed, to go, oh man, I'm actually feeling a bit tense. (sighs) I might need to take a few deep breaths and just take a bit of a walk around, I think. Don't I sound lovely and calm when I'm saying that? It's not always the case. But catching ourselves, or even once we've erupted, you know, catching ourselves and calming ourselves down and going, whoa, that got a bit out of hand, that's gold for our kids. And don't forget, there's also a bit of prep work we can do before a tantrum is even on the horizon. Have clear rules and expectations. Pay attention when kids are doing things we actually want them to be doing. Talk to them at other times about feelings and things they can do when they're feeling upset. But remember, no matter how much prep you do, kids do wind up. So the best thing you can do is have a plan. And if it all turns to custard, as it can often do, then it's just another bump in the road that's going to help them cope that much better with life. If our world is so smooth that we never get frustrated, we're completely missing the point. So go forth and frustrate your kids. And there you have it, Licence to Frustrate. And that is our show, Are We There Yet? is produced and presented by me, Katie Gossett. Alex Harmer mixes it together and Tim Watkin is our executive producer. And the lovely snippets of archival audio come to us from Ngā Taonga Sound and Vision. You can find all our other episodes on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher or wherever else you get your podcasts. Or you can also go to our podcast page at rnz.co.nz. And you'll also find RNZ's new Storytime collection. If you have kids, this is well worth checking out. Loads of stories, all really easy to search for. Go to storytime.rnz.co.nz. 
And make sure you catch us again next time when we'll think about keeping up with the Jones. In other words, how kids handle not having the same cool stuff as everyone else. Subtle results. Still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulties swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, head eyebrow and eyelid drooping and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com.